you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Happy Friday, June 10th. It is hot as heck outside, and I try not to complain when it's hot because I really don't like being cold. So yay for summertime. And speaking of summertime... We have our normal guests. I should let everyone know. Greg Hughes is here looking very Hi. tan. You're yeah. always looking tan, You always do. And then Mara Carabello like to, here. I like to sizzle my skin. super tan. Yes. I know, Greg, do you want to tell us how you yeah. tan? I think people at home would love to know. No, I, I think that wouldn't be. That's not must. It's too personal. Must listen podcast oh, right. material. Okay. No, but I, I do like to tan. I was outside Mood this morning. <laughs> no, I, 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 I cover up certain okay. areas. <laughs> Is swimsuit area? I yes, I don't I don't tan in the nude. Okay. I have I have a bad I was outside all morning and I have that dreaded farmer's tan V that you know, <laughs> I'll never have go away now because I wore the wrong shirt. Yeah. For my first long stand. See now outside. you're stuck with V necks for the rest of the summer. I have to wear V necks. Yeah. yeah. So I'm kinda of um, I always do that too, whatever the first swimsuit mm-hmm. of the season is, that like that that tan line in. is stuck. Yeah, you're yeah. stuck with it no matter what else you wear. So it's true. Yeah, these are r- real problems we need to discuss <laughs> in the podcast. The rest of what's happening Thanks for joining us. Yes. Wait, I just feel like you guys would like a window into our beautiful, beautiful lives. Well, so, so. Isn't it so Utah that we had 50-degree weather till we had 80-degree weather? I mean, we just never get that comfortable. No. On Monday, if you're listening to our podcast a couple days delayed, it's going to be 67. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, why is it that hot? That's it's a ripoff, too. I'm totally against 67. I need 67 because like we 70s. need to plant trees. Yeah. And I feel like my trees, if I plant them on a day where it's a little cooler, they might be happier. Maybe I'm just... Yeah, they need a head start. Yeah. They need so. a couple days. I'm all into... Se- I'd like 70s. I think that's a very comfortable... Because it doesn't hurt. You don't feel it. You don't <laughs> feel the weather. It doesn't feel cold. doesn't feel hot. You don't feel it. It's true. So I, like I like weather it. that you can't feel, but I also like... R- when I'm rushing out the door, not having to think, oh, do I need a coat? Or mm-hmm. like, what do I need to make it so I don't freeze to death today? It's just nice. You just walk outside, no extra clothes needed. No. All right. Um, last night, there was some TV programming that had been um, lauded and talked about for <laughs> weeks that actually happened. Snoozer. Snoozer. So uh, you can tell us about your uh, how much you watched of it in a minute, Greg. Yeah. But the January 6th hearings that were in prime time, which... I believe in my years of being alive, I don't know that I've hear, seen a congressional hearing in primetime live before. Usually Congress doesn't like to work that late at night <laughs> unless we're at the cliff of like no longer being able to fund bills. You could have ended like, that fine. sentence with they don't like to work. Yeah. Didn't, the <laughs> night part's not really relevant. But. They do stay late sometimes when all of a sudden we're at the cliff where people are going to have to stay home and not be able to have their bills paid, you know, that kind of thing right. where we've come to the end of our funding. But uh, this one they did on purpose. It was thoughtfully done. An ABC News producer was working on the January 6th hearings. Um, I was expected going into this to see something a little bit Top Gun-ish, <laughs> where there was going to be a lot of production value. Um, kind of at the first of a newscast, if you watch a newscast, we have something called a cold open, and you'll hear a soundbite, and then another kind of shocking soundbite, and another soundbite. It's the best soundbite from a bunch of stories. So I kind of thought they'd start off like that, you know, hit us hard with some sexy video, get us in there. But they really went the whole business approach. Greg, did you watch? 
I, I saw portion, portions of it. I, I thought I'm glad they didn't do it as you've just described. I thought it was a little more contrived than a than a congressional hearing already. I think that would have been even worse. Um, so yeah, I, I I think the production value of of that hearing in and of itself by itself only this this hearing ever uh, with all the issues that I would love for America to kind of tune in on and and listen to and maybe see collectively. Um, I just I thought it was a bit much. I, it even goes back to the where the where Biden has like a studio that looks like the White House or the Oval Office in the old Executive Office building. Everything's just contrived. It just feels produced and contrived. Biden has a studio that yeah. looks like the White. He House. He doesn't do it out of the Oval Office. They have a studio next door with lights and big. They couldn't fit the teleprompters large enough for the president to be able to read, so they they create a studio. How do I not it. know this? Do other have other presidents done the same? I don't know. I don't other presidents have had offsite studios. I don't think so. Not yeah. like this. I think well. Are you telling me that Ronald Reagan was in the Oval Office in those press conferences, or I'm was he in a Ronald, studio? Ronald Reagan was an actor. That dude had a full cast of characters and a makeup artist. I, I just I think that the Oval Office is. If if you've seen a press conference in the Oval Office, I'm pretty sure it was the Oval Office till this administration. Hmm. So that's your big complaint. So one I'd like to point out: it. it's just that it's you just didn't watch made it, for TV, made oh, yeah. for TV contrived. That's what I don't Before like. Before we have the conversation, how much of it have you watched highlights after this? Because Mara did watch um, the hearings last yeah, night. No, so when I, we're listening I, to this conversation, she watched. How much so, did you so, watch? Yeah, to keep score. I did not. I collectively, I've probably seen three minutes of total testimony of that thing because I, I I don't take it seriously at all. Not at all. Not even slightly. And I'll tell not you why later. Not a little bit? Yeah, okay. not even close. But, Mara, you watched um, most of it. And I want to talk about the production value before we get into the actual <laughs> meeting that we were talking to. Because I think people were thinking that it was going to be, I don't know, maybe it was just me. But I was listening to all the national pundits and everything coming up. And I was like, wow. They were setting them up. I didn't know if I should pop popcorn or, like, what was yeah. going to happen. I mean, obviously, this is a serious thing. But it made it sound more like a blockbuster film. It did. And I thought it was going to have... Uh, arguably too high of a production value in which it That's was going to be distracting. Okay. Uh, Greg is trying to show us memes <laughs> while we're trying to talk. Babylon B had had Miley Cyrus swinging on a ball in in and the uh, at the hearing saying uh, in an loud. attempt to drum up more interest in the hearings the committee has added enter- an energy It is crazy as she is. <laughs> like when you listen to her, she she's very talented. Random thoughts by us. But yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was no Miley Cyrus on a wrecking ball. No, I mean, no. it was actually conducted very straightforwardly like a hearing, I thought. More than I thought. I went in thinking it might have a more production value as well. But one, I mean, I think Benny Thompson is above reproach. I mean, I, I'm sure he's a flawed man, but he is a pretty straightforward guy. And I don't know who can't give hats off to Liz Cheney for... Taking the road less traveled. You don't know who um, can. Well, I mean, I think I can. I think partisans I can. But I will tell you, I mean, she is a consummate Republican, and so to test those credentials is just sort of obvious pandering. But the <laughs> one criticism I don't understand is, although I do is, think this is probably the end of her career, like she'll probably be going out. Oh no, the caucus doesn't this. like her anymore. I'm yeah. not suggesting, but if you're if you're tying Republicanism to a set of ideals, which Mr. Hughes does over and over, she I has do. never not held those set of ideals and she has never not been a conservative and so uh, if, if if republicanism means a set of ideals to you then i think she's beyond impeachment on being a republican uh, i thought one thing that is interesting of the criticism though is if i keep hearing you know what democrats wanted to craft but for those of us who watched you were watching either republicans speak 
I mean, there were no Democrats who spoke last night other than the committee chair um, who led the proceedings. But if you look at the testimony and the evidence, it either came from members of the Trump administration, it came from law enforcement, or it came from neutral parties like the filmmaker. There wasn't a Democrat represented last night. It was all testimony and evidence from either Republicans or law enforcement officers. So if you're going to criticize content... I mean, there was no Democratic content last night. It was all Republican content. The evidence that that was shown last night came from largely the Trump administration. I feel like largely what they showed last night, and I have to admit, I didn't see every second either because at 6 o'clock we still did our newscast streaming online, so I didn't see every second. I saw most of it. So real news. Um, yeah. I'm not. I, I'm trying to be unbiased, but I do think we get provided great local coverage on local issues at six o'clock online. Um, we, when I watched it, I felt like a lot of the video I saw. They said that a lot of it had not been seen before, and it's possible that maybe that specific camera angle hadn't been seen. It looked like the same awful video we saw on January sixth. You know, majorly to me, the one thing that really stood out to me as being different is um, Officer Edwards, I believe was her name. And uh, it was an interesting point of view hearing what officers on the ground were dealing with because, you know, we've seen the videos, we heard some bad reports at first, and then we heard um, better reports later as to what actually happened. But I feel like she gave us an idea of, I guess, how unprepared they were, which I don't know what that speaks to because it sounds to me also from hearing from the hearing that there was indi- that were indi- there were indications they used some clips from some podcasts of people talking about you know being rowdy roughing things up and maybe I don't know that the words attack on the Capitol were used, but there were some words used in podcasts that I think if the FBI were paying attention should have known that they probably should have had more security on site that day. Maybe I'm wrong in that. So uh, first, let me just say this, and I mean this. You know, you in politics and in policy, especially if you're in a legislative branch, you should you should really conduct yourself in a way where you are willing to receive what it is you're willing to put out. And what I mean by that is however you want to be treated, be it in a committee hearing or how we pick members of a committee, um, you should probably do it that way yourself. So when I was Speaker of the House, I chose members to serve on respective committees. If I am going to be uh, very partisan or very severe on that and put very few Democrats on a committee and a bunch, a bunch of Republicans, then it shouldn't surprise me if if the Democrats, if they were in power, would do the exact same thing. So I think if you want to be a serious policymaker and a a member of a legislative branch, you should conduct yourself or make decisions in a way where you yourself would be okay if it were coming back at you. Having the seven Democrats on that commission – and having the only two Republicans being Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzer, who's, and both are gone. Uh, one was redrawn out of his district and didn't run again. The other is 30 points behind in her uh, election in Wyoming. The voters don't So popularity is credibility. No, she, well, I'm just, well, let me, let me finish this analogy. And you just, I'll, I'll just leave it open to tell me, for those that are Democrats, if they think this would be okay. You have two people that are no longer going to be part of that body. And, um, as your, your hearing or your committee. Now let's flip it. The Republicans are going to have a committee, and they're going to put seven Republicans on there, and they're going to take one Democrat member of Congress who her dem- their Democrat caucus kicked them out as, in terms of leadership. They don't want them to be a leader amongst the Democrats in Congress any longer. They're not going to win their rep- the, the state that that Democrat uh, represents. 
doesn't want them to represent them anymore. The other one's been drawn out and is not coming back. I don't know that Democrats would say a seven Republican, two Democrat hearing with the two Democrats really not representing the existing body of Democrats in Congress. They would say that is fair play. They, I think they would be they would look at that with a jaundiced eye. And I think that's I think the makeup of that committee was problematic. I think there are issues that came up. It was said in that committee that, you know, that they thought this was this wasn't spontaneous. This was planned. Well, there's been FOIA requests. It never came up in this committee or this hearing, but they said that, that from the Trump administration, they wanted to send National Guard troops, like on January 2nd or 3rd, they said, we want to put troops there. They said the optics would be bad. You know, why would, let's, let's at least explore that. Let's have at least like the Johnny Depp, Amber Heard trial where you got two sides that, that got to terrible well no and seriously like you idea. got you got a pro and a con so, in that hearing yeah. that you never May heard any of these you? things in the hearing you got a one-sided one subpoenas that were only coming from one cut from one cloth that always thought this was wrong had had their narrative already set that's so why I'm, i don't give it so much I'm credibility i'm often not tempted to follow totally your logic stream but i'm going to in okay. this instance Good so treat. See, let's let's start look, where you started look. so you're saying that credible committees mm-hmm. have equal parts Republican and Democrats. And not you equal. Held, not, and you not held equal. out. And not you equal. held out. You put words in my when mouth. When you were speaker, representational. You you're criticizing yeah. Yeah. the balance. Correct. You're criticizing. Correct. And yet, they every, have to be equal, but they every, should. Every, every, without exception, every hearing I've ever heard in the last 10 years at the Utah State Capitol is predominantly Republican. And you know what? There are hearings that I sit through, and there are, you know, seven, nine, ten people, and there are two Democrats, and the rest are made up of Republicans. And I think they can deliberate. I think they can reach decisions. And I think that even if they make decisions that I don't support, I am able to see policy process, because policy is what should happen at committees. And you want to bring politics in. So first, if you're suggesting that disposition of, and you used yourself as an example as speaker, and you never had equal distribution. Uh, now you're going to well, argue, I'm gonna argue, you're going process. to argue. Uh, no, I'm not going to argue. I'm going to explain don't represent, the you don't, that You're saying you're pulling from bodies, but you can't have it both ways. If you think the only way to get to a fair hearing is to not have a seven to two margin, then you need to disrupt the entire process that Utah has. So that was the first. I just don't find that's that valid. That's not correct, and I'll, if, ex- I'll explain why. I don't find it valid second. for you to need I don't expect to, you to know how those part, committees are selected, so I'll let you go ahead with this, but there is a correction wow. to be made. Wow, because you have more experience Ooh. in the legislature. No, I'm just going to tell you how the, how how you should make a committee and how we did it. And but it's you're not the way criticizing you just the disposition. It. You're pre- oh, criticizing how many people correct. from which party. Yes. And yet routinely in the Utah State Legislature, we have that party. Um, we have that There's same party balance. There's a and I'll explain it. Yeah, because it favors you no, no, no. and your way no, of it's life. A, it's and a you fair think way. that it's okay if it's 72 if, Republican. No, no, no. But, okay, so what's so the oh. second oh. point? But then the second point is that you're suggesting that a choice was made. And you're right. And the choice was made by Republicans to not participate. The Democrats she kicked didn't, them off. She did kicked not Jim Jordan leave. Off. Pelosi the kicked Jim Jordan process. off that committee. The Republicans don't want to participate because they don't find it worth their time because they've decided to follow a person. Donald Trump is more important to them right now than process in the American government. Well, and the fact that you don't find it, 
you don't find it worth your time or energy to have a conversation about a group of Americans ta- attacking the, um, the Capitol, whether you find them valid or not at the conclusion is one thing, but I'm astonished that you don't find this topic oh, worth yeah. your time. No, not even close. And I'll tell you this, she, Nancy Pelosi rejected people that would get, be critical and ask other sides, the other side of the, of the uh, coin and ask other questions. She rejected them. It's why the Republicans and ultimately And they weren't strong enough withdrew. to stay at the table. They, they withdrew the from table. this did, because she was Nancy not allowing... Pelosi bully you is that your is that your no, case she wouldn't let she wouldn't let people on that would be that would be critical and look at why nancy pelosi re- rebuffed the the overtures to actually secure the capital in a better way she didn't want to talk about those things as long as that wasn't going to be on the table let me just tell you about how the committees are put together at least i can't speak for the state senate if you have a 60 40 I a majority understand how they're put the together, body, but then your, your committee is 60-40. No, no, no. I get it. 60-40. If it was a 70-30 I understand uh, this, Greg. majority in the body, then your committee would have a 70-30 majority of Republicans and Democrats. If it I understand. If it were 50-50. But you're suggesting the, the that to US deliberate, Congress you have to have is, equality. It has its most narrow margin of a majority, maybe in its history, and it's 7-2? And the Republicans really? opted out. Can we agree Please. that there I mean, were... I mean, that's, that's just not the way we do it. Crimes committed that day and that we need to know what happened, why it happened, who knew, and who didn't know? I, look, it, certainly. But what, what riles me is that you can't even find this attempted assassination, whatever you want to call it, that happened to Judge Supreme Court Judge Kavanaugh. It wasn't on the front page of the New York Times. It wasn't on the front page of the USA Today. They both had the January 6th hearing on there. A20s, where you found it in the New York Times. We've said on this podcast that it was our fear that protesting those judges' homes, those justices' homes, uh, meant to intimidate a decision that has yet to be made, could amount to violence, and we hoped collectively that that would not happen. That person who went there and was had armed and had bad intentions, it's worth mentioning if we're talking about political violence. And it is nowhere to be found. To sit here and talk about this January 6th and without any mention of what happened at Judge Kavanaugh's, Justice Kavanaugh's home, I find it to be so selective in outrage, so selective in logic. It, it, it just, again, so, makes it all seem like a circus to me. Nobody cares about political violence yeah, unless but, you can say it's the Republicans who are white supremacists who are doing this and this hor- horned hat dude is going to destroy democracy. I'm not a big fan of any time that we put all Republicans or all Democrats in, in a bucket. Well, that that's what I nuts. feel that yeah. they do. I mean, that's what I, I, that's what I feel they, like this whole narrative. The, the Benny, what's his name, the guy that was the chair? What's his name? Benny Thompson. Benny Thompson. He just, he, he likened the whole thing to racism in the South. Now, Funny thing about Benny, uh, Congressman Thompson is that he voted in the Electoral College against George, Herber, or George W. Bush in 2004, not the Gore vote, the one where he clearly won the re-election. He voted against it. But, and, and for what reason, I have no idea because I think he it won- was the Ohio, for some reason I want to say it was the Ohio State delegates that he was voting Senate. against certifying. I, I just find that his opening statement where this was all about racism. I just find it's race baiting. I just didn't find it serious. And you listened to all of it because I didn't. Find, I didn't. I, I didn't. I, find I said that at the beginning of the show. I didn't. But I mean, to so all I think it. you're 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 listening to filtered news, and I'm sure that's what your filtered news told you. I will say I didn't find him to be evoking race. He is saying I relate 
to conflict in America because of my experience. That's what I heard. So I'm just I'm just saying there are lots of. I listened to, to a good but over a minute Greg, of it. But the tactic of saying I can't talk about something unless I can compare it to something else. I knew so you six were going to say this. Six months ago, we were talking about BLM and why that didn't work, and now we're upset about Kavanaugh. But I'm calling a little malarkey on it because you didn't bring Kavanaugh to the table to today's discussion. I mean, one, we all agree on it. It was it was unconscionable. You can't go to a justice's house. I'm so glad they found him right away. Sure. It was 1.30 in the morning, clearly nothing good. I mean, there's there's no variation on the theme but there's here no that coverage of it, Mark. Don't you find that odd? I don't. I didn't see no coverage, to be honest it with wasn't you. In, it wasn't on I the front page of the New York Times or the USA Today. And it, I'm thinking it was on, that's something worth it, putting I do, on the front page. If it was on the short list was in front New of York RBG's Times. home with a gun, then it probably yeah. would be. So mm-hmm. I do think that there are politics of play. And even I though know. I think they ha- held a what was largely a congressional hearing and i actually wouldn't mind if they would produce up the congressional hearings a little more so you would like make really them interesting make them interesting because sometimes some i listen stuff on there that we yeah actually and i don't like grandstanding like sometimes when i listen to the congressional hearings whether it's um looking at a supreme court justice or whatever it is i feel it's more of each senator grandstanding and just saying some stuff those hearings where you hearings. get five minutes i get five minutes yeah. you get five minutes those are brutal yeah so those <laughs> and the me decorum so, is going down i'm right. hearing them That's they're right. swearing at each other now That's they're right. they're, do, they're behaving they're in ways that there. is just beyond that should be I'm gaveled down it's it's so it's i do ridiculous. like that they were trying to set a timeline up and tell a story of how things happen and i think that anytime someone does that you do it through your own purview of what you think is important to tell so it's it's going to be slanted whether you want to admit it or not but I do think they had a good did a good job going through it and the one thing that stood out to me because as much as I've seen of everything I thought it was interesting seeing the timeline of some of the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers groups and even uh, the British I didn't think he was that great to listen to, not but the British uh, journalist who'd been following them around, I do think it was interesting that he said that he was surprised that he was kind of, you know, documenting them, and they didn't stay for the president's speech. So I think there were a lot of people, and I think there's been um, a lot of people saying, we had no idea this was happening, and I believe them, because I think a lot of people were kind of upset. They wanted to go out to a rally with President Trump, and they wanted to hear that, and then they wanted to go home to their kids. They wanted to wear their red, white, and blue, and wear their red hats. And be done with it. But I think there were some people there, um, and I'm not, I hate putting anyone in a big group because you can't say all Proud Boys or all Oath Keepers are bad people, but it seems like there were some groups that had a different intent than others who directly went to the Capitol as opposed to going to listen to the president's speech. And when you listen to it, um, I, they use sound bites from Steve Bannon, who was on a podcast um, heading up to the January 6th um, riots, and he says, All hell will break loose tomorrow. I can't expect that the FBI hears everything and is everywhere, but there was enough out there that I do hope they get to the bottom of what security was there, why they weren't more prepared, and how do we do it better so that this, you know, something like this doesn't happen again. Because I think once something happens, it opens the door to the possibility of it happening again. You will capture the attention of this country, where we, we have a lot of division going on right now, if what you just described was evenly applied, meaning this. I want anyone who went into that Capitol, who broke in, who, who vandalized, whatever it is, they should be prosecuted. And, and there's no excuse for it. There's no, it's not okay. It's just not okay. But there's a lot that's been going on in this country that's not okay. The destruction of people's property, the, the, the Chuck Schumer saying, just threatening Kavanaugh. And he didn't mean it. I, mean, I imagine he didn't mean it in the way that we're seeing it play out. But when he said, there's going to be hell to pay if you touch Roe versus Wade, You'll see a storm like you've never seen before. When you have that rhetoric, if we're going to say, look, when you, when you speak with such inflammatory tones, okay, 
if you're going to say Republican or Democrat, conservative or liberal, when you speak this way and we see a ripple effect that, that undermines the credibility of our governmental institutions, then if we go after it with the same vigor and we, and we treat it the same because Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, I think America, we're reasonable people. They'll say, yes, we shouldn't. That's why we, we should go after that. It's when it feels selective that people become even more cynical. And what is and what in the cynicism isn't making us stronger. It's not making this country stronger. And I just feel like it isn't even handed in its approach. I don't. I think that's true. I don't. I do think this. Um, and I know that this is like a talking point that you hear on the right right now. But I do think it's interesting to talk about this. You know, you didn't hear he- have hearings after all of the riots in May a couple of years ago. We don't have hearings on inflation or gas prices that are in prime time. And I really wish that um, our congressional hearings would maybe do a better job of getting to the root of some of these problems. I don't know that any of them need to be in prime time, but maybe the same effort that's going into this hearing go into some of these other issues because there's a lot of problems we could probably it get to the bottom of. It cannot go unsaid that the center of this hearing is the president of the United States of America. True. It can't. I mean, so that is you different. can't. Yeah. Yeah, it's Chuck, Chuck Schumer's in the same category. A leader like that mm-hmm. must be held accountable in a different way. Okay. But I, I, so I am. I agreeing with you, Greg. That that everything should be looked at. But there are priorities, and I think it, it is fair to say that questioning whether the president of the United States did something he should or shouldn't versus how do we feel about inflation. I we the three of us agree that America should pay more attention to politics and policy. Sure. So I'm not saying elevation of issues and I know, making we them more have interesting. Millions listening but to this I refuse to say that some Yahoo in Seattle, his his reach and importance is not that of the United the States. President is and I respect yeah. the office. And I I did not say Donald Trump. I re- I wished he wasn't my president, but he absolutely was my president. And so there is gravitas to the question so, we're asking. And I don't mean this in this is this question is sincere. I'm not trying to argue. I really genuinely want to know when the protesters are circling these justices' homes in real time right now. And Amy Coney Barrett has seven children. Right. Is 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 it is the judiciary and our Supreme Court justices on the same level as as the president or Chuck Schumer? I mean, I mean, is it or not? I mean, maybe it's not. I I want to know. Is that something that we should be paying closer attention to and not really being okay with, or or what? No, I mean, I agree with you. All of this stuff should be we. It you have matters. to level the yeah. playing field. I'm not. I'm. I'm not disagreeing that the playing field sometimes, or mm-hmm. the attention field. It's not a playing field, but yeah. the attention field. Yeah. So we're not fundamentally disagreeing. We also, you and I, both can't resist the urge to sometimes see it our way, which sure. feels unlevel and and unequivocal. But I think the difference was. I think we try at least to to see it. Yeah, we at least attempt at it. Yeah. But, like, if you're going to say, and you did, so I'm not, but if you're going to say that Chuck Schumer said give them hell, they'll be hell to pay if Roe v. Wade is overturned. I mean, it's ironic that sort of the trigger moment for the other side is when Trump said they'll be hell that day or yeah. that it, whatever. I can't remember his tweet because I'm Wait, not, I wrote so. it here. Be there, we will be wild. Yeah, wild. Sorry, it was, you know, four-letter words. And and <laughs> so, I, so I just think you're right, but there are 
there are still differences. We're talking about a sitting president calling to action, or maybe not. Again, right. I'm not trying to inflame and, and you look, there. I think but absolutely, what's going on with the decorum of the justices? So I'm going to take a deviation because we're going to talk. Here's my mm-hmm. big idea. Okay. My big idea is I think the Supreme Court, I'm pretty sure it'll go far. I think the Supreme Court should move out of Washington. I think they should move to, I was going to say San Francisco, but now San Francisco is oh probably crazy. a bad Gosh. idea. So, but I was trying to think of a city you want to live in. No disrespect to Des Moines, yeah. but I was trying How to think. How about Salt Lake? Well, nah. I actually thought you were going to go like, somewhere where, maybe, there was like, where maybe there wasn't Chicago, a ton of traffic. Chicago or Denver, like they're kind of Midwest. Uh, yep. Anyway. Of course you picked Denver. Well, of course. Yes. And and they should become Bronco fans and they should I live a high Pittsburgh quality of life. No, but I think to your point, like I would love to remove, I'm so concerned that the judiciary is being dragged into the muck into that the is politics. politics. because they deserve better than that and um and and you know i think if they were removed from company town washington dc is such a company town yeah Mm -hmm. and so the business at hand is done in bars and hallways i I love that idea i think if they moved outside of dc because they're not reliant and their staffers wouldn't intermix and they just went and did their own i actually love that because i think there's these cocktail parties that go on and people want to be nice in fact it was an interesting observation. We're getting a little further away, but Tucker Carlson said to continue to be critical of, of Washington, D.C. establishment, he he needed to move out of that city hmm. because his neighbors, when they're a Washington Post... Because they're all your uh, friends and yeah, like your colleagues. When your neighbor's a Washington Post journalist and your other neighbor works in the administration over here, to be to at least share the commentary you feel you need to, but mm-hmm. there are these personal relationships that you have and your, your kids go to the same schools and things right. like that. It does compromise what he felt is his objectivity or what he'd like to say because of how many people he knew on a personal level that well, they weren't even really related. Have, I'd say I began get them thinking all about it with Justice Thomas's, exactly and right. I'm not trying to bust, but like his yeah. wife is involved in politics, as is her right. Yeah. But like that means the couple's being invited to parties, and it's. And yeah. I thought, no, just move, move I to like Denver. That. Move I like to that. Denver. I, would, I would like it too. I have vague recollections, and I don't know if it was Trump or someone else, but someone in their presidency tried moving some of the federal offices. Oh, they did. Well, out. the BLM got moved to Grand Junction, Colorado. Yeah, but I don't think that worked. I think back. it got moved back. But I do it was a think Trump idea. I do think there's value in breaking up some of that for the reasons right. you said, which would be interesting. I do hope um, as we move on, we're going to talk about this because there's two weeks more yes. of these hearings. But I do hope that um, as we're waiting in the next couple of weeks for a decision to come down with Roe v. Wade, that there's decisions made ahead of time. And I know they're difficult decisions because I don't think we ever want to have the National Guard patrolling our streets of the United States of America as being military, being normal. But have the right people in place and be ready because I think it's probably going to be raucous no matter what the decision is um, in Washington. So I hope we're prepared. And I hope that the Capitol Police prepare beyond this too. Because I have a brother who was uh, a Capitol Police officer in years past. There's a lot of people who go into uh, being a Capitol Police officer because sometimes it's a stepping stone in Washington, whether it's Secret Service Mm -hmm. or somewhere else where you go. But they're really bagged. I'm not trying to discount what Mm -hmm. they do, but they check people's bags and they stand there in the beautiful hallways and make sure that people, you know, walk politely and quietly Mm -hmm. through the halls. My brother um, at the time 
when he was there was um, security for specifically Nancy Pelosi when she was the speaker. And he would stand outside of her office for sometimes seven hours. So his job was obviously to make sure no one came yeah. in and killed Edward Nancy said Pelosi. That. Edward but there's was a, like, yeah, there's a lot hey, of standing. Hey, we were ready for crowds, but we were yeah. not ready sure. for what happened. Yeah, and I think maybe our police who are on the streets of West Valley or Ogden might be more prepared for something like right. that than even the Capitol Police officers. Not that our police don't all have the same training, but they kind of get into the doldrums of what they do and they're there, you know, with, you know, grandma and grandpa and everyone come from the Midwest or coming to their first time to D.C. to see the Capitol, you know, it's just, it's, they ha- they it's kind of a boring job, I think, 99.9% of the time, and they're probably not dealing with problems. And when one comes, they're probably like, oh, my gosh, now what happens? And maybe I'm wrong, and if someone's a Capitol it Police officer been nice. listening, It would have been nice to understand. There's, there's, there were reports that came out yesterday that said that there were warnings that even even from the Trump administration saying, we need to bring in National Guard. There, there could be violence. We need to, to bring uh, more security. And uh, it... That, those overtures, according to the FOIA uh, request that was brought out, were, were made to the sergeant of arms of the Capitol and, to, and then Schumer and Pelosi, I guess, make that decision. But they, they didn't want to. And there was, a, there was a discussion about the optics of that and what that would look like if they were to do it. And so I think that, that yeah. would be good to be explored. I, I'll just say this about – so she spoke uh, – Liz Cheney spoke for about 34 minutes. And to Mara's point, I do think that, that it is worthwhile to scrutinize what the president was saying or not saying – uh, in that critical moment when he gave his speech, I think it's well within the right of the president if he feels that there was – the voter integrity had been breached and that he won, but he didn't you – know, he has that opinion. And, and and Washington's no stranger to protests and everything else. So did he – in his – what did he say and what did he didn't that could cr- cause violence? And so Liz Cheney reads his, tw- his tweet from January 6th at 6 p.m., 6.01, and it's uh, these are the things these are the things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who have who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. That's where she finished that tweet. It would not have hurt her, and it would have brought more credibility if she just would have added, because it's the same tweet, the last sentence, which was, "Go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever." She should have just said, I mean, why leave that part out? Just say the whole, if you're going to read the tweet, read that he said at the very end, go home with love and in peace. Remember this day forever. Because you can he say, I don't that like that last. He could have done that at the beginning. Sure, then say that. But don't omit it. That, so, that's the problem is that I'm not even arguing that, that that was good enough. I'm saying, why would you read that tweet and matters. omit that last part? So just say I the last say, part's not good enough. I will say I think that that's what my gets opinion people cynical. of a Republican went up yesterday. My opinion of Mike Pence went up because he seems to be the only one that was immediately and directly calling for a response. And I have had neutral to negative about Mike Pence because I think the mother thing's creepy. So it's really a deep evaluation <laughs> of Mike Pence. But uh, I, I will say that listening to um, characterizations of Mike Pence, I feel like he really was pretty amazing that day. So way to go, Vice President. Well, or luckily for you, Vice it President. sounds like he might be running for president. Well, I don't know that I'm that. Great. Mara's going to head up the when, Mike when Pence. When I said my opinion went up, let's just talk about where So that it's about up it. at the curb right now. <laughs> it went to not, curb level. Let's not be crazy. Yeah. Well, let's bring her back home here to Utah, where hopefully everyone yes. has their yellow ballots uh, that arrived in their mailbox. Um, most of us got them on Monday or Tuesday. Did everyone here in this room mm-hmm. get them? Excellent. I have mine. 
I was going to open it up because I only have to vote for three people, but I've been busy doing other things. Yeah, mine's still sitting yeah. in the pile. I have this weird thing, too, where I, I like the ease of voting in my kitchen, but I sort of like the pomp and circumstance oh, of elections. I'd love to go into yes. a ballot. I, so, I have to vote in person. I know I that some people criticize this because they think that I'm trying to avoid the process, but I don't like to put it in my mailbox. I like, if I'm not voting on mm-hmm. voting day, at least driving to a voting box and putting it in there. And sometimes I vote way too late because... I like to go close to election day, but I also know that with the ballots, if I would drop it off sooner, it could be mm-hmm, counted counting. sooner on election day. So it's sitting on my counter, and I'm like, I should vote, but I'm like, but it's not election day yet. So yeah. I'm sitting there and making decisions, and uh, a lot of people, I think, are still making decisions. We had the debates and the not debates over the last couple of weeks. I think we heard from Burgess Owens today saying that officially he is not going to debate anyone Um which disappoints me. I like a good debate. I like to hear from people. It's the job interview, have I said, uh, I've said. So before the primary, he is not going to be debating. But uh, there's some new poll numbers out. And I always think it's interesting when you look at polls, um, looking to the November election, if it helps you make your decision now, because sometimes you're looking at the chess pieces right. to see you know, how it's going to move around. And the Deseret News and Hinckley Institute uh, did a poll, and they looked at each of the uh, Republican Senate candidates if they were up against Evan McMullen, and I thought the numbers were really interesting. So they asked the question, if the general election were held today and the following individuals were the candidate for U.S. Senate, who would you vote for? So we'll start with Mike Lee, who ended up with 41%, Evan McMullen, 37%, 4% other, um, I'm not sure who the others are they're thinking about, (laughs) and then uh, don't know, 19%, and that's the big question of, you know, which way will these 19% go? But Evan McMullen has to be feeling pretty good about hearing that at this point, 37%, almost the same as 41%, pretty close, say, I'll vote for you. So interesting numbers there. Uh, Before we talk about it, let me read you the others. Ali Isom had the lowest numbers against him. She was 23% to Evan McMullen's 34%. And then Becky Edwards, um, this was interesting too. The numbers kind of switch, but she's very close too. 29% to Evan McMullen's 28%. And then there's 37% who are undecided. And I think that when you were to put Becky Edwards up against Evan McMullen, it seems to me there might be a lot of the same kind of voters there because I think a lot more of the centrist Republicans or maybe more centrist Democrats are looking at Becky Edwards and possibly the same with Evan McMullen. Greg, uh, what do you get from this when you see these numbers? Does it mean anything to you as November so far away? We cannot guess. Uh, you know, we saw we saw some really strong numbers of, for Evan McMullen 2016 race uh, for president, and they didn't materialize at the voter you know, when people went to vote. I think it's easy to conceptually to say who you would like uh, this far out in an election versus when it's time to, to mark the ballot. And you don't want to throw – there's this instinct. You don't want to throw your vote away. So you want to see who's the viable candidate yeah. and where you're going to be putting your vote. Um, the, the, but the numbers do say that if it's not Mike Lee, then the, the Republicans are certainly at least conceptually with the, those that they polled uh, in trouble uh, in yeah. terms of beating Evan McMullen. So I, I think that's a strong uh, case for, for Mike Lee. But I, I, I do. I, I'm surprised that the numbers are like four points uh, difference between Mike Lee and Evan McMullen when they ask, you know, when they pair those two together. And then it gets worse for Republicans when they when you go to Be- Ali Isom and Becky Edwards. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't put a ton of stock into it. But I uh, but I do think that there that I think you brought it up. I think there's a lot of people that don't like Mike Lee and uh, and they're going to support Evan McMullen. And then if, uh, if Mike Lee's not there, then. 
Looks yep. like uh, they don't. I think there's some. Don't you think there's some name ID issues there with uh, Becky Edwards and Ali Eisen? I don't think people know a whole lot about either one of those. Well, I mean, candidates, that, for so. me, that's what it shows. I mean, so here's the advantage. I, Greg and I agree. These moment of times don't necessarily indicate the election, but they indicate a lot of the jockeying. And so one mm-hmm. of the things is this is a really nice bump for Evan McMullen's fundraising. Sure. Right. Yeah. And oh, so no, that's and for so sure. Then you go, yes. oh, well, if he gets more money, is he more in play? But yeah. I, that doesn't mean he's winning. But like what I read first was, oh, Evan Mullen's going to hopefully or for him. I, he, he should see a couple of several good weeks of fundraising from it. Um, and then I think it's what it, it's it's the analysis Greg made. It, I don't know that it necessarily shows me that Mike Lee is strong. In fact, I, it shows me what he's always been, which is somewhat of a safe, vulnerable person. I know those are opposing words. Somewhat but safe and vulnerable. <laughs> he is not a well, his like is very narrow. But what becomes compelling is clearly his name ID, because when you move off to the next competitive Republican, what happens is the likabilities don't go down, but the I don't knows go up. Yep. So you get to 39% I don't know makes the biggest percentage mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is they retreat, and that is, as Greg suggests, is all about name ID. We're more comfortable with people we know. Um, it does show, though, some viability from Evan McMullen that prior to this poll, I wouldn't have even had that door open very far, mm-hmm. and that door opened further. Let I'm me, not saying he'll... Let me he'll ask you this question. I'm, I'm curious. So do you think, let's say, let's say Ali Eisen or Becky Edwards were, mm-hmm. were the Republican nominee. Um, do you think that uh, the anyone but Lee can... Right. Do they, do, are they able to raise money? Would those two Republicans be able to raise money uh, as the nominee, or would that, or would that anyone but Lee support migrate? Well, here's to my Evan current McMullen. current read on it, which is interesting. So, Ali Isom is holding down Lee territory, trying to hold trying down Lee to. territory, yeah. right? So, and this is the argument she would make. She would say, "Hey, if it's one on one with me, then you'll have a choice between a conservative Republican and this Evan McMullen guy who's left." left the family and so at least there's a choice there um but her poll numbers are so low that one doubts she can get it there so becky's not becky edwards numbers are high enough that you could start to say oh is she in play the challenge is let's say she wins and you're choosing between the same kind of candidate i think they're in play from the same people that like i think you disenfranchise the 28 percent of Lee Republicans who are like, you didn't leave me. Allie may have been a choice, but hey, Becky and Evan aren't, right? right? So you've disenfranchised that block of, let's call them Lee voters, who don't see any interest in yeah. Evan or Becky Edwards. And the interesting thing looking at these numbers to me um, with Evan McMullen, and I, I'm interested to see how much it's changed from the presidential election because I think there was a lot of thought. I don't even know what the poll numbers were in the end. It's been so many years for me now. If it's been more than six months, I can't right. remember what exactly <laughs> numbers. I should look it up. But I was sent to the Evan McMullen campaign the night of the presidential election because when we're sitting there and figuring out where everyone's going, uh, we're trying to figure out who might win and who needs to be there. And I went there because I think there was a thought process that, you know, if he wins and he pulls this off, this is a huge deal. We think it might happen. And um, I even, you know, look back and think I thought that it might happen. But What happened in the end, I think, when you go back and talk to Republicans, is I think a lot of people wanted to vote for him because it was after all those videos came out by Grabber, by the, we don't say those things on podcasts, the videos (laughs) of President Trump, and a lot of people were like, I just cannot vote for him. And so people wanted 
an anything but Trump vote. And Evan McMullen was that for them. It was someone conservative. Yeah. They could have them. But in the end, I think people got nervous about not voting for a name brand. And then do I cost Republicans, which I am, not me, but people who were voting, saying, do I cost you know the more conservative vote? It, was so a, in the it, end, it would be a vote for Hillary, um, even if you... Put, pulled the yeah, so, for, I, th- for so I wonder if that would happen again where Republicans are thinking, you know, do what, I dare go yeah. for this? Is he going to have committee assignments? Is he going to What it polls? also takes away from Evan McMullen, to your point, is I don't think anybody in that, very few voters in that cycle voted for Evan McMullen. <laughs> they were choosing Correct. other, they were choosing between two other really strong like personalities. never Trump, never Hillary. Yeah, and, and so I don't know. I mean, usually what one evokes and what Evan has evoked is, hey, X number of people have already voted for me. I would look and say, eh, I don't, I don't know that I was voting for you. I think yeah. I was voting against a couple of other things over yeah. here. 100%. And he's gaining interesting territory because when you look back to when he was running as president, he was definitely um, against abortion, you know, really conservative principles, but they're all kind of generic because I think sometimes sure. when you run, they're generic. And I feel like he's still in that generic category where he's trying not to say too much because he doesn't want to make Republicans or Democrats mad. So when we're talking Roe v. Wade, it's really like nuanced sentences. One look at his website and, and that's reinforced. I mean, yeah. if you go to his website, there is not much that you can grab onto there. Yeah. It's like God bless America. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to offend. I mean, if you're, if you're trying to pull from everybody's you know, base, yeah, you, you can't, you can't say anything. a whole lot. You can't because you're yeah. going to, you'll alienate someone if you say No, I will say I have openly and I'll continue to openly criticize his choice of not belonging to a caucus. I hope that is yeah. a political ruse because I have no interest in having a U.S. senator that doesn't have a committee assignment. Yeah, seriously, yeah. you have to caucus. I, I mean, he's, he's, he has to be saying that so that he doesn't alienate one side or the other, but he he would have to caucus with someone. Oh, please I join mean, please. a team just at that I mean, point. You've got to, yeah. but but um, yeah. So I, I think, no, I think so too. And I think when it'll get down to the brass tacks of this, once we get through the primary election, whoever it is that's running against Evan McMullen, I think they're going to have to show up. They're going to have to debate, and I think that that's where we'll see. You know, maybe. Some more real answers, because I think they'll have to take... I, I think that the Democrats made a... Of course, she, Mara's going to fall out of her chair at this. I think there is a, a, a miscalculation here. I think that, that this does this does harm to the Democrat Party to have to, to oh, not have a candidate... Straight, not to not have a candidate to vote mm-hmm. for. And I don't think that Evan McMullen, as this campaign proceeds, is going to resonate actually as... I mean, he could be... Then you know someone. Other, it could be someone they're voting against. They're voting against Lee, so that's who they're going to be. But how does that? How does that uh, strengthen them? Or how? I mean, I, anyway, I just think I think it's going to. I think there's going to be a lot of buyer's remorse on this decision from the Democrat side. I think that that, mm. that, that, that supporting him, it's going to be a big nothing burger. I really do. I don't think we'll he's going to be I mean, a strong candidate. The one thing candidate. I'll give him, I think his campaign's going to go really directly at Mike Lee if that is who it is, and that's is, is what it will require to. That's knock who he's off designed to run against. Sure. I mean that's. That's who he's sure. supposed to run against. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see yeah. how it goes. So it's fun talking polls, but I feel like polls, while they give you sort of a general like this sort early, of feeling, it's so early and it's so far apart. Think of all the other like awful, crazy things that are going to happen between now and November, which we hope don't happen, but are going yeah. to. Where you're like, what the heck? That change people's minds or change where you're thinking or what's important to you? Can I? Can I just? Can I say this? I I think we're in tough times. I think that the, I mean I, every every election cycle, this is the same mantra the most you hear: important the most important election ever. Election ever. Mm-hmm. But I I just I feel a sense that things are getting uh, even tougher, and. I've watched some candidates, even Republican candidates, that are running in open seats. 
for lower for races in the house, state house, state senate. Yeah. And they're asked a question uh, in the gov- in the uh, senate race: Who would you vote for? Would it be Mike Lee, uh, Ali Isom, or Becky Edwards? If that candidate can't tell you or won't tell you who they're going to vote for, that's the easiest answer to the questions that are coming for whoever becomes a public servant going forward. And I think that's an indictment. I think if you have a candidate running right now and they don't want to tell you where they are on those candidates So you're talking right about someone who's running for my county council if they yeah. won't tell you who they like. Yeah, because I think if you did, if you knew that they're Isn't voting for Becky Ed- Edwards, wouldn't you have kind of a general idea of where they're seeing other issues? I mean, wouldn't that – if that if Becky's – Becky Edwards' campaign resonates with you, there's there's something you can glean from Possibly, that. Possibly, though. I think I vote sometimes, and I think other people – maybe I'm just I'm a crazy su- person. I vote sometimes differently – Federally than I do for my local offices, but maybe I support Mike Lee. Does that say something about my politics that I support Mike Lee? Of course. So you know, I mostly cue on your Trumps. I just, I I just can't stand (laughs) someone who doesn't even have, as a candidate, doesn't have the courage to tell you where they're at because the 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 issues that are going to be confronting our 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 legislative body in the future are going to be really really hard, and you're going to have to be you're going to have to level with those that you represent. You're going to have to tell them the truth. And if you can't answer that basic question, I just don't think the questions get easier if you get elected. So I hate I, – I, I res- I've heard of this a number of times lately, and it's just kind of bugged me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't like that because I think you're encouraging groupthink, but I will agree with you on – I think as voters, I really do think the politics reflects people. I know we think they live independent of us, but we're training our elected officials to say nothing to us. Right, And, And we need to train them to answer our questions. But how we will do that is by being a little more sophisticated about their answers. It's okay to disagree with four things that a good person is saying sure. and then try and persuade them. And I, but we set up, Greg, these litmus tests. And I, what, I, what I worry about is the single answer is a yeah. litmus test. And so what I do agree with you on is let's stop training people to tell us nothing. Let's, let's encourage, let's that's, insist that's, that's, on opinions. Yeah, you're never going to completely agree with anyone. And then when they give us the opinion... Get several of them. Don't just choose sure. because if you agree with somebody on 10 things and disagree on one, don't throw them out on the one. No, I, I agree with that. I, I guess I, I thought of it because we were talking about how Evan McMullen won't really land on an issue. Yeah. And, that, and that's what made me think of it. And you're right. But I've said this when I was a candidate. I would say all the time because I would answer – I would try to the best of my ability to answer a question straight because um, there's just too many audiences and there's just too much time and, and I just – you just have to – be honest about it, but I would well, say... Well, if you're not honest, you got to remember what you said last time. Yeah, it's, very and it's hard. But yeah. It's amazing how people have an aversion to actually just leveling with everyone, knowing for a fact that when you say it, there's going to be people in front of you that don't like your answer, and it's it happens. But what I would say in response to that, when I would give an answer that people didn't like, is I would say if you meet a candidate and they agree with you 100% of the time, I think you better be worried right? because it is not possible to agree with a hundred percent of the people a hundred percent of the time, even with my spouse, Krista will have disagreements on, on issues or things. So it's okay to your point. It's okay to disagree, but let's get that out that I'm going to give you a straight answer and you might not even like it, but just know this, I will always answer that. So valuing the characteristic directness and having the ability to make decisions is something you and I agree on all the time. So let's value the characteristics of uh, plain spoke, spoken answers. Yes. Decisiveness. We, we, 
we have more candidates and more elected officials now who will not make decisions, and yeah. that is why we're not I can't stand it, and I can't stand votes out of fear. Fear that Either. I'll be, you know. Yeah. I like that your way. wife disagrees with you sometimes. I'm the same. I, th- I kind of like the sport of disagreement <laughs> sometimes. So she my does. husband and I uh, sometimes cancel each other's votes out because we just disagree yeah. on things, yep. and I kind of like that. I don't but, want to just yeah. mold into but the But I wish person. we talked Are about that same? more because Well, oh, I think it goes without saying that there's, <laughs> there's <some laughs> disagreement <laughs> with, any, with, with the man I married. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, but we should talk about that because I just honestly think, to your point about group thing, it's okay to disagree. The most important thing would be to have someone level with you, explain yeah. that wh- how they got to that decision. But again, I, see it as a characteristic to value. Yes. Don't be so worried that you may be down. And the point of this disagree. podcast is to raise people's expectations. You should demand that from those candidates in which You'll they are trying to You'll get better elected officials. Your support, so. you demand that they answer the question honestly. And it shouldn't be a litmus test on one single question. Right. But you want to know that they will be honest and straightforward with you. And they're not afraid to answer your question because they don't know where you're at on the issue. So they don't want to answer it. Yep. That's a, that should be a deal killer. And be in the willing times. to listen. Don't all just talk. Especially mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think we're just going to, we need some real courage and some voting out of courage and not out of fear. We need that right now. All right. We need lots of answers too. So we will keep watching what is happening in Washington and here in the great state of Utah. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your hot weekend and we will be back next Friday.